0: Harry
1: Potter. Oh, Harry Potter.
0: Harry Potter. 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 the Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half-Drunk Podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Sam. And this is episode 92. Wow. And we are (laughs) jumping back into the Deathly Hollows film, part one. We're finishing it up this week.
1: Finally, and it works out perfectly, honestly.
0: So we got really lucky this time because all all the stuff I said about us having to combine this into one big
1: film, well, we didn't have to do
0: that, so.
1: right. I mean, I think there was just a couple little tiny things that we missed at the very end that picks up in the next one, but it really, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Like, for the most part, we are right on track as far as where we line up with where we ended in the book, so, and you know what? We didn't fucking plan it that way. We did not. So before, you were right, because we did have it sectioned off into only four parts, so we would have had to, but... Yeah. You know, fate intervened and saved us a little bit of struggle. <laughs> so, thank God, because what do we need right now? More struggle, clearly. <laughs> no. No one needs more struggle.
0: Um, we're in week number 1005 of the quarantine. <laughs> At least that's what it feels like. It's honestly I think it's actually day, like, 69. Well, there we go. It's It's been a while. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. It's been a
1: while. But... Without further ado, we're really on theme for our drink of the week. Yeah, this week we decided to be the trendy bitches that we are, clearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are so hip. I learned some new slang phrases yesterday that the youths are saying now, but I feel like I can't repeat on this, but I was like, wow, I feel fucking old because I've never heard that in my life. So we clearly are not hip, that was sarcasm. So this drink of the week is a Dalgona Martini. So Dalgona is basically whipped coffee and it's like the coolest thing ever right now. So we decided to try it and you place it on top of your martini drink. So with this you need two ounces of Baileys, two ounces of vodka two tablespoons of granulated sugar two tablespoons of instant coffee and two tablespoons of cold water so you fill a cocktail shaker or glass with ice and you add the baileys and the vodka and you stir or shake vigorously until it's well chilled and then you strain into a martini glass and then in a medium bowl you combine the sugar and coffee and water and vigorously again Whisk until the mixture turns silky smooth and shiny. Then continue whisking until it thickens and holds its lofty, foamy shape. And then you dollop and swirl the whipped coffee mixture on top of the martini. And to be honest, when you first sent me this cocktail and asked if I wanted to do it, I thought that it was peanut butter on top, and I was like, "Yes, I want a peanut butter martini." (laughs) And then I read it. I was like, "I need to make that. Though that sounds amazing.
0: (laughs) We both love peanut butter." For the record, like, we could live off of
1: peanut butter. I'm, like, slightly disappointed with this because I, like, had in my head it was peanut butter, but I also adore coffee. Like, if I had to choose three things on a desert island that I would need to survive, it would be peanut butter, coffee, and some sort of alcohol. So (laughs) Well, perfect. We get two out of the three. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But... Yeah, if you haven't
0: had this coffee, it got really popular on social media during the quarantine. Actually, Karn and I saw it. And we were like, okay, let's make it. So we're making it in the kitchen. And his mom's like, you do realize this is just how coffee is in India, right? Because she's from, she's from India. And she said, this is just
1: how I had coffee growing up. Just Whipped. You're like, wow, aren't you just freaking ahead of the curve? Y'all hipster. Super trending. But
0: yeah, so she's been keeping it. Yeah, you liked whipped coffee before it it was cool. (laughs) Yes, she did. But yeah, it's delicious. And just making it alcoholic, you know, just elevates it even more. So that's right. I didn't have Bailey's, though. I used um, the Buffalo Trace Bourbon Cream instead Ooh. and it was very okay. good
1: i am interested in the combination of the bourbon cream and the vodka
0: it was good i mean the bourbon okay. cream basically just is a better version of bailey's in my opinion but yeah so okay there's that
1: oh well, that works it's uh making me want to go back to my high school trend of just putting bailey's in my coffee as coffee creamer and not knowing that it was alcoholic <laughs> What a day that was. What a day. <laughs> I had a choir concert and everything. <laughs> oh, good lord. I feel okay, like now well, you need to tell
0: that story.
1: I mean, it's... Uh, okay. I don't really remember how the day started. I just know that I had to go to a choir concert. I don't know if it was senior year or junior year of high school. Um, I think it was our junior year. Okay. Well, I would take coffee with me every morning after I got my license, and I was taking early morning classes, and I would always bring it in, and that morning is when we had to leave for this choir concert that I was in, we had to go on a little field trip down the road to Lexington and sing at this church thing, (laughs) and uh, I was drinking my coffee on the way to the thing, and I was getting to the bottom of it, and my friend tasted it and was like, what's in it? I was like, oh, it's just this Bailey's. And I found out that Bailey's is alcoholic. (laughs) And then I was a little tipsy for my choir concert. And the thing is that I didn't ever feel the alcohol until I knew it was alcoholic. So maybe that says something about my psyche. Anyways, but it didn't stop me from continuing to do that. (laughs) No, but there's that.
0: Okay, well, let's just jump right in.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Just in overall, I honestly think this part of the film did a pretty
1: good job. I do, too. I do, too. There's, I mean, a couple very small tweaks and changes that were made, but overall, the theme is the same, the message is the same. You don't really miss anything major from the plot. right? So, yeah. We're picking up this time when Harry and Hermione have gone to the Forest of Dean and Harry's wand is destroyed and Hermione is showing him... The picture of Grindelwald in the Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore copy that she took from Bethilda's house and she has this little mournful monologue about her parents and how like everything's changed and they won't even recognize her and I'm glad that they gave her a little moment to show how much she is sacrificing. I
0: am glad they gave her that moment and I think Emma Watson's acting in this little scene is top notch. I will say after her little moment of reflection about, you know, how much she has sacrificed, she does go into a very non-Hermione moment when she's basically like, let's just give up. Let's just right. grow old here. Yeah. And that really caught me off guard. I guess I just did not remember that part in the film. But this right. is not a Hermione character
1: arc at all. She is yeah. not one to she's just not give up and give throw up. in the towel. So. right. right.
0: That was a little weird to She's not going to
1: sacrifice me. all the hard work that she's already put in. Right. Know. Right. Yeah. So then Harry is keeping
0: watch after he is sassy towards her because her wand is broken.
1: He's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's, fine. it's, fine. it's <laughs> fine. done. Like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then he follows the doe to the little lake, and this is the same as
1: the book. This all part was all really well done, too. Like, this was yeah spot on, I felt like, and... Harry and Ron decide to destroy the Horcrux, and Harry just very confidently knows he has to speak in parcel tongue to it. So right. I am glad that they kept that detail in there because it was a very specific thing that Harry remembered. That, oh yeah, of course, this is what I have to do. Duh. Just waiting for the right moment for my brain to figure that out, I guess. And um, then the Horcrux itself seems much more terrifying in the movie to me than how it is described in the book, where when he. Like opens it, it just all of a sudden just like shoots up into the sky and is super loud. Like yeah. in the book, I felt like they were way more calm—not calm, but they weren't like crawling on the ground away from it. They were just kind of standing there listening to what Voldemort's Horcrux was saying.
0: Right. Yeah. I think they definitely did play it up in the film, but I honestly kind of like it. It's exciting. It's no, it's freaking weird. Played up. Yeah. And I think it really goes to show just how affected Ron is by this and how Voldemort intended for, I don't want to say the weakest link, but I'm going to say the weakest link, and you know that's, like, a huge thing coming from me, the biggest Ron fan. And you know that it's also the truth. Yes, the biggest Ron fan of them all, like... He did want it to affect the weakest link, and it really got to him in a way, and he claims that, in a way that it did not get to Harry or Hermione. Right. Yeah, he said, it affects
1: me differently, and it really
0: really does. It really does. So then they destroy the locket. And they go back up to the tent, and we <laughs> and get... And Ron's, hey. Hey. And then we get, you complete ass, Ronald Weasley. You show up here after weeks, and you say, hey. And then she's like, Harry, where's my wand? Where's my wand? Yeah.
1: And the, everything. Yeah. I just love it. it. Like, all of that scene is just... It's perfect. spot on. It's not exactly how it is in the book, but it's still very perfect for them. She's like, Harry Potter, you give me my wand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think in that moment, you kind of see just the chemistry between, you know, Rupert, Dan, and Emma in a way that really, really well mimics the Golden Trio's chemistry together in this moment. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then we get the scene where, you know, he's like, well, the ball of light went into my heart.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And just showing how he got there. And he also, you know... It's kind of making it up to Hermione because he is holding up the destroyed Horcrux and the sword of Gryffindor. And she's like, where did you get that? And then he has to launch into his story. So she's kind of like a little caught off guard with him having that and that it's destroyed. So that kind of makes up for it a little bit. But one just tiny issue I have is when he says, when he goes into his story launch of how he found them. He says Christmas morning he was sleeping in a little pub and i'm like uh what and I'm like no you were at the shell cottage why change that detail right why do we have to try to make ron it, like what is this trying to show that he was too scared to see any of his family that he was too like gruff and macho to go home that he was like drinking and needed to stay in a pub like i don't understand why change that detail
0: Yeah, especially when the shell cottage is then going to turn around and play
1: a key role
0: in their journey. Right. Like,
1: why would Ron just randomly say the shell cottage if he didn't already know that it would be a really good place for them to go later on? Yeah,
0: that's a good point. I do really like, though, the scene between him and Harry where they're sitting on the bed and he's like, I always love these flames Hermione's done. And then he gives Harry a wand and then Hermione comes in and is like... This symbol keeps showing up, and I really want to go see Z- Zofinia's love good, basically. And then, of course, Rupert Grint's like, I
1: think we should vote. <laughs> right, yeah. Let's take a vote. Sorry, Harry. <laughs> so, yeah, then they go to see Luna's dad and ask, basically, about the Deathly Hollows and he tells them all about it, and Hermione reads the tale of the three brothers, which I've always really, really liked the way that they had this Portrayed in the film, the story. I do, too. I'm glad they did, like, animation instead of trying to make it real
0: people. I think it's beautifully done, and I think, again, it kind of reiterates the fact that it is a children's, like, fable, and, you know, this is probably how a child imagines it in their head a bit. So, yeah, I've always thought this animation was just beautiful and really... It just kind of fits the entire tone of the movie. Yeah, it's like kind of a darker animation, right, just in the tonal quality, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it fits in perfectly,
1: and it's just very beautifully done. Yeah, I think when I first saw it, I was a little caught off guard because I, like, when I read the book, I wasn't really thinking about how it would be portrayed from book to screen. And it just caught me off guard that they chose to go in that direction with it, and I wasn't expecting it, and for me, that's not really how I had pictured it playing out in my head when I read it, but I'm glad that they did do it that way, because it breaks it up a little bit and makes it its own separate thing. Right. And I liked that. But then after Hermione reads that, they discover that Luna isn't there, and that her dad has Reported them to Ministry slash Death Eaters to try to leverage Harry for getting Luna back.
0: I mean, this is kind of where I run into an issue. Um, We don't get to see Luna's room, which I think is a huge disservice to her character. Yeah, definitely. Also, the entire scene with him kind of loses its, I don't want to say suspense, but yeah, suspense. Because I can't think of a better word to say. Just because he just, like, straight out says Voldemort, which we also don't have Ron point that out to them when he comes back, that the name is cursed. So it's pretty much, like, solidified that it's cursed when he says it to call them there, and then, like, all hell breaks loose, basically.
1: Right. So they, like, get away, and they apparate basically right into snatchers. Yeah. So that's pretty different from in the book, where after Harry, Ron, and Hermione escape... From Xenophilius's Lovegood's house, they escape and then set up camp. And then Harry says Voldemort and fucks everything. Right. So now they just operate right into a gang of snatchers. Happens to be probably the worst gang of snatchers. Like what shit luck do they have there? <laughs> and then there's. But I I get this part because there's this huge chase scene and it's very like fast paced and actiony and. It's more exciting than them just, like, saying his name and Snatchers showing up outside of their tent, you know, and they're sure. not having a way to get away. So, yeah. And then, also, there's no Dean or Grip Hook with the Snatchers already. There's really no Dean at all, actually, in this whole time. Like, we hear his name once on Potter Watch back a few few chapters ago but now like he's just not in this part which you know he he didn't have to be but then harry starts seeing voldemort find grindelwald in his head and he sees voldemort figure out that dumbledore had the elder wand last and then start heading for hogwarts so now harry knows he's caught up to speed with voldemort and knows what he's doing yeah all during this time of being caught by Snatchers and Hermione fucking up his face with a stinging jinx. Yeah.
0: And then the capture scene is, like, pretty much the same. They give the same names. You know, Ron's kind of in the background of this, but that's, like, really not all that important. And then the Snatchers recognize Harry's scar, and they're, like, change of plans, Mm -hmm. and they take him to Malfoy Manor. Mm
1: -hmm. Bellatrix is at the gate. I love
0: it. Yeah, Bellatrix is at the gate. Get Draco. But I think... Tom Felton in this scene does such a good job portraying Draco and he's like, I can't be sure, I can't be sure. And like he right. knows exactly who
1: these three people are. And you can tell and he, that when he does. He's looking at them, he is scared for them. Like he's yeah. like, fuck, dude, I didn't want you guys to get caught. Like, I don't want you all to die. Yeah. You can tell that he's scared for them and
0: there's so know, much he's remorse. Out. So much remorse in his face. And Yeah, I just think Tom did a phenomenal job in that. Um, And then we we get arguably one of the worst scenes to watch, and that is when Bellatrix is torturing Hermione, and Emma Watson is just, like,
1: shrieking. Oh, I mean, I think it's an awful scene, but I think it's... Bellatrix slash Helena Bonham Carter at her absolute best. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's. Queen. Bellatrix is such a fucking badass. Like. When She sees that one of the snatchers has the sort of Gryffindor, and she's like, Where did you get that? And he's like, I got it, I figure it's mine now. And she's like, uh, Nope, and she just like <laughs> whips like, him, like wraps a yeah, snake she, like, out of her shuns wand, shuns him, his neck. whips another one, and like yeah. does a little twisty movement with her wand and just like ties him up in like a noose and, and then just yeah, sends him crazy. away. But no, like, you yeah. don't get me wrong, I think this scene is like so well
0: done. It's just kind of like, I think having Emma Watson shriek like that just really oh uh, it's just terrifying and then you get Rupert Grant like in the dungeon like about ready to bust out and you know it's a very very well done it's just kind of hard to watch
1: yeah definitely but this all was done really well too because Harry and Ron go down to the cellar and they find Luna and Ollivander and I mean the only thing is they are not all tied up and then Griphook is there and they all tell Harry and Ron that there's no way out, and Harry takes the mirror fragment out of his sock instead of the little moleskin pouch that Hagrid gave him, which is a minor detail, but still worth noting, I think, that he just had it in his sock. <laughs> and I think it's Luna who's like, that's a strange place to keep that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> And like, you're right, girl, that was weird. You know, it's bad when, like, Luna Lovegood is calling it weird, and she says that's strange. It's strange, <laughs> and then Wormtail comes down and grabs Griphook to question him, and we don't get Harry telling him to say it's a fake or anything. But you know that 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 entire piece of plot was kind of left out, anyways, about the fake sword. So there's that. And then Dobby shows up and says he's come to rescue Harry Potter, of course, and he will always be there for Harry Potter. Like, such a hero. Love that I love this whole part, because then... He's so funny. Ron tells
0: him to take Luna and Ollivander to Shell Cottage, and then Luna gets her, just, she calls him
1: Sir, and he's like, oh, I like her, and... I like that girl. And then he's like... Meet me at the top of the stairs in 10 seconds. 10 (laughs) seconds. Well, then Harry's like, can you apparate out of here? And he's like, of course I can. I'm an elf. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. Humble brag. Low-key elves are more powerful than wizards. Of course I can do that. (laughs) Duh. Why do you think I got in here? He's like, I'm an elf. Duh. Just like the Mean Girls uh, girl. I'm an elf.
0: (laughs) But then we, I, I think this is the part where, uh, I think they should have left in what was in the book with
1: Wormtail. With Wormtail, yeah. yeah.
0: Because that I was I almost forgot that really... they didn't
1: leave that in because it just felt so vivid that it did happen.
0: Yeah, that's really the only kind of redeeming scene that he has is that he, in the book, he realizes, yes, I owe Harry a debt, obviously, and then the hand turns on him. But mm-hmm. he gets stunned by Dobby, and then Dobby, Dobby catches his wand, and he's like... Disarms who gets, him.
1: Who gets, to, who, who gets his wand? wand? <laughs> God, I fucking love him. I do think it's curious that there's no loud crack anymore whenever Dobby apparates.
0: Yes, I also think there it's used to be curious fun. that Dobby in this film got a makeover. He looks about twenty five year, <laughs> 25,000 years younger than he did in... <laughs> the Chamber of Secrets. But well, I think he went from being a puppet to being CGI. Yeah, he did. So, also, he went from being, like, enslaved to being free. And that probably does wonders for your appearance. I um, mean, the skincare
1: he can have time for now is just <laughs> impeccable, apparently. I need Dobby's skincare regimen. <laughs> Dobby, please send me what you use for wrinkles, because <laughs> little prep work never hurt nobody. <laughs> so... Uh, But then we see, after Hermione has been tortured, she grabs one of Bellatrix's floating hairs um, because this girl is pure genius and knows, obviously, that Bellatrix is really upset about whatever's in her vault, which is, like, a huge cue that something really important is in there. And also we see that Bellatrix has carved the word mudblood into her arm. Yeah.
0: Which, you know, Hermione kind of takes back in the book, and we'll get there. Right. Yeah.
1: So then we
0: we all know what's coming up. They, you know, duel and disarm. Harry disarms Draco. Huge key point. Harry disarms mm-hmm. Draco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> just in case no one knew that. And then right. Dobby disarms. Uh, Narcissa, Narcissa,
1: mm-hmm. and then all hell breaks. I After guess. he had dropped the oh yes chandelier, After on he them. unscrews
0: the chandelier, and Bellatrix is like, "How dare you!" And Dobby's like, "Dobby never meant to kill, <laughs> just maim or seriously injure."
1: <laughs> yeah, and then of course the Dobby has no master. Dobby is a free elf, and then they leave, and you go Dobby, but we can't help but notice the spinning Dagger. knife yeah. that is launched at him because they make a big deal to show that thing just like rotating slowly towards them as they're disapparating which they all disapparate together which is a little tiny different from the book where they apparate ron and hermione and then dobby harry and grip hook but right it's fine and then
0: you get though you get this like perfect grin from helena bottom carter that oh, is it's just spot yeah, pure on, evil. Spot on Bellatrix.
1: It's she's just amazing. But yeah, then they land on the beach and Harry rushes to Ron and Hermione first and then hears Dobby say Harry Potter and then of course we can tell that he has suffered a Fatal injury, and he falls into Harry's arms. And it's just so hard to watch when he's saying it's such a beautiful place to be with friends. Dobby is happy to be with his friend Harry Potter, and I couldn't take it at that moment. Yep. I definitely teared up. I started crying.
0: Honestly, I yeah. paused it, and even though there was like five minutes left, but I paused it because it's just terrible. And then you have Harry, you know yelling then at hermione to like go in her bag and
1: he's like help me me." why aren't you helping me and And they're they're just just both in shock
0: because not only has dobby at this point saved harry's ass but he's also saved theirs and in the books he saved theirs multiple times not just no he's yeah he's saved them so many
1: times i would argue that dobby is the true hero of this entire series yeah like if we didn't have dobby all of them would have been in trouble Multiple times. Exactly. And he exactly. got their asses out of it. Like, he is actually the real MVP of this series, and I'm um, just, I think we should just raise a glass to him right now. Yes. A moment of silence. Okay. Yes, we love Dobby, and. And Luna does too, because she closes his eyes. Yes. And he could be asleep. Says now he can oh. be sleeping, and then Harry says he wants to bury him properly. Without magic. <laughs> and then good, Harry has good, a good. moment on the hillside. Where he buries him on, like, the beach and not in Bill and Fleur's garden. Yeah. Which isn't which, a big deal. Honestly,
0: but... like, isn't that problematic, though, to bury someone on the beach?
1: I mean, yeah. You would think with erosion and climate change that eventually they would not be buried anymore. Yeah. Probably um, not the but... smartest move, but, you know.
0: It's anyway, fine. then It's he's a lot having... easier
1: to do it there, like... Cinematically speaking, then have to come make a fucking garden set to bury the elfin. That's true. When that's we true. could just use the beach that we're already on right now. But then we are flying over the Black
0: Lake, and we know what that means. We're in Voldemort. Going to Dumbly's grave. Yeah. And then we get Voldemort like hovering over Dumbledore. It's a whole yeah, it's, it's a whole it's sequence. A little erotic to be honest. It's a whole a sequence. Bit. And then a he thing. takes the wand and in true Voldemort fashion lets out a yell and there you go. That's right. that.
1: He has the Elder Wand. He's got it. No denying all the power that came out of his little wand. Elder Wand. But yeah. honestly, I think that's just Voldemort's power because we know that he's not the true master of the Elder Wand. I think... He's as powerful as he can really get, but the few things, or not few things, like, one kind of part that isn't here right now is the chat that Harry knows that he has to have with Griphook and Ollivander, Mm -hmm. those haven't taken place, and I thought it was important in the book to show that he decided to talk to them before, because he knew where Voldemort was going, and he knew that he could get there and get the wand before him. So right. I thought it was important to show the choice that he made in the moment to not go there and to instead choose to keep going down the path of destroying Horacruxes before choosing the Hollows. So that's one thing that I felt like, I don't know how they could have shown it better, but it was pretty important, I think, in the book to show that he decided no Horacruxes over Hollows. Yeah, I agree. I think they could have just... Because those
0: scenes are at the beginning of the next The next one, So they should have just extended this one and then had him made that realization and they still could have ended it the same
1: way that they did. With the Voldemort scene. Because I think that scene
0: was really exciting and, you know, is kind of just like pushing the next movie forward, if you will. Because at this point you're like, okay, what is he going to do now?
1: Right. If we could have just kept going back and forth with Harry, like being in the present, and then also seeing Voldemort, like, flying across the country or wherever he was coming from to get to Hogwarts, just seeing that internal struggle within him and then choosing, no, I'm gonna talk to this goblin first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it, it just says a lot about Harry's character and growth and realization of what he needs to do and his role in defeating Voldemort instead of yeah, I have this maybe foolproof way to defeat death, aka Voldemort, by going and getting this unbeatable wand, but no, I'm going to choose to do the task that was set for me and try to destroy the Horcruxes like Dumbledore said I should because I just need to trust that he knew what he was doing because the past few days, Harry had realized, oh, maybe Dumbledore actually does know what he was doing with the Deluminator circumstance and the sort of Gryffindor and just everything just kind of starting to fall into place in Harry's mind. Right. So I think it was just a big moment for him and it was a shame that we didn't get to have it because we don't get a lot of these huge Harry turns on his head moment, like growth moments. Most of his moments are in action. He's doing big heroic things. Not just growing mentally, I guess, (laughs) but... No, yeah, I mean, Harry in the... Harry two years ago,
0: if you will, he would have definitely been like, okay, well, I need to conquer death.
1: Done. Right. I'm gonna go do that. Go get the unbeatable wand before Voldemort. Right. Because clearly I am failing right now. This other tactic. No, I agree. I think...
0: Yeah, that's one of my biggest qualms as well with this is they really did leave out a pivotal scene for him. I think between that and just kind of the out-of-place things that they're still doing for Hermione in this movie. Yeah, those are my biggest qualms. Right.
1: Right. But other than that, really good. Really love this film. And I don't know what I would give it on a scale of 1 to 10. I would give it probably like eight and a half, nine out of how well it represented the book. Yeah, I think I'd give it a 9.
0: A nine out of ten, why? Well, because all the plot lines pretty much were there. I mean, not all of them, but most of them, and we get a lot of the same character development that we get in the book. We get a lot of the same minor details that we get in the book. There, I mean, there are just some things you can't do in a movie. You just, I mean, it's never going to be a hundred percent. I don't care. What you're doing, or how long you have to do it. It's just not. But I do think that these two films are really good and they do a really good job. So, yeah, that's our piece. We will be back again with the sorting glass ceremonies this weekend. And until then, you can find us at HP Half Drunk on Instagram and Twitter, and Harry Potter and the Half Drunk podcast on Facebook. And be sure to join our Facebook group from our page.
1: Yep, and you can listen to us wherever you're listening to us now or on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else basically you can get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe or give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined. And yeah, just stay tuned for the remainder of this series, I guess. (laughs) Yep. Have a good week. Cheers. Mischief managed.